You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. And I'm joined in studio now by Head of News, Jerry Collison. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you getting on? I'm getting on fine, Keen. Thank you very much. So, uh, it's a fairly packed newspaper this week. It is indeed unusual, let's say, for this time of the year, which is usually described as the silly season. Um, but we'll have all of the um, council meetings and courts and everything like that back on from next week. You know, we can see that the evenings are getting a bit shorter, kids <laughs> back at school. So things are starting to loosen up a little bit. So, uh, yeah. so uh, early on in this week's edition, there's a story about Bus Aaron's absurd adverts for Dublin Airport. It was a Limerick politician brought his issue up yeah that's the um Fine Gael senator maria byrne who is also uh, one of the party's candidates for the next general election which might be sooner rather than later the way that things are going on but um maria's beef mainly at the moment is at a fairly major promotion that's been undertaken by bus Aaron on their expressway service and essentially what it's doing is that it's um, highlighting the ease of connections between Limerick and Clare and Tipperary to Dublin Airport. Now, this is stuck in Maria's throat a little bit because um, she feels, well, with Shannon Airport around the corner, is this not a little bit counterproductive? Now, maybe she has a point, you know, it must be very galling for people who are there working in the airport and particularly for people maybe who feel that their jobs might be under risk, what with Brexit and the withdrawal of Norwegian Air and all that sort of thing. And to be looking at uh, advertisements uh, encouraging people to travel up to Dublin Airport. So, you know, she does have a point. However, um, the story is done by Alan Jakes and Alan got on to um, Bus Aaron and um, yeah, they actually told him that they do have a, tar- uh, a marketing campaign expressly targeting Dublin Airport under the banner Get to the Airport Ready to Fly and it focuses on customers travelling to and from Dublin Airport. However, they're saying that they have a fairly extensive uh, network of services to Shannon Airport and um, you know that they are actually actively promoting Shannon in conjunction with the Shannon Group. Um, just was looking at some of the online comments uh, on that. And, you know, there were a few people who were posting, you know what, there's a lot of services that go from Dublin and they don't go from Shannon. And that Shannon seems to be not very well served, let's say, with services, particularly to European destinations, and that people sometimes have no choice but to go to Dublin, and that it might be better if there was some uh, pressure put on either the Shannon Group or the department or whatever to actually get more services into Shannon, and that that might be a better thing than just using the expressway uh, service to get to Dublin Airport. And I know that that issue has been covered by Bernie English in the past about uh, transport issues with Shannon and having more flights Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's a hardy annual. And, um, you know, it, it, it seems that the airport, you know, just needs a little bit more support, maybe a little bit more um, government support, maybe a little bit a little bit more ingenuity, maybe from the Shannon group itself. But you know what? That's something that I'm sure will be coming back to in the next weeks and months. Definitely. And Jerry, uh, you mentioned there the, the comments on social media. Now, there's a story here about a uh, a Limerick hurler who had to produce a drugs test uh, to clear his name from comments suggesting he was taking drugs online. 
Yeah, this is this is uh, you know the the unforgiving nature of you know the world we live in, the online world, and the echo chamber that it becomes, and how people's reputations can be shredded. And in this case, it's it's uh, Peter Casey, you know, one of the heroes of the All Ireland success of of last year, and also of this this year's uh, Munster yeah. campaign. And Peter found himself in an awful situation where um, one of his colleagues had put up a um, short video clip on social media, Instagram, I think, and um, somebody um, put it out for wider distribution. And throughout all social media platforms, there was a terrible, you know, amount of insinuations, so much so that he had to come along and subject himself to a drugs test and also his friends and um, also get on to the to the pub where the incident allegedly happened and get CCTV. And it just seemed terrible that, you know, a person had to go to those lengths to actually, you know, preserve his reputation and clear his character. It just seems just almost surreal. As know. positive as social media can be in modern life, uh, it is possible for insinuations like this to be taken up as fact eventually and people get them both mixed up. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at you look at Peter Casey and you say, well, here is a very well-rounded individual. Here's somebody who's well on top of their game. And, you know, that this person would be well able to take, you know, the cut and thrust of on the hurling field and the whole lot and the, the, the hard tackles. Imagine what that might be like, let's say, maybe with some young, vulnerable person who comes along, posts on social media and the absolute savagery of the reactions. And what harm only most of these people, you know, are quite docile, nice people if you meet them in the flesh. But once they get behind the keyboard, my God, they just absolutely rip into people mercilessly. So, you know, if it can happen to Peter Casey and somebody of his reputation, somebody of his status, imagine what it must be like to some some kid that maybe has uh, self-esteem or self-confidence issues. You know, it's and uh, the social media companies are coming under a fire recently. And this is one of the reasons why, really. Yeah, rightfully yeah. so. Rightfully so. It's absolutely savage there, you know, and and it's one thing to be talking, you know, from the perspective of a media professional with more uh, years behind him than in front of him, you know, but even I'd look at it sometimes and say, by God, this is some jungle out there, you know, I just feel so sorry for so many young people that, you know, aren't equipped to take that sort of abuse. So uh, in another story then with the redevelopment of O'Connell Street, uh, Aaron O'Carlar is a website that usually uh, often provides content to the Limerick Post newspaper, has appeared in the paper a number of times in the past year. Uh, Rian McElbone uh, gives his 10 ways O'Connell Street could be changed. Yeah, this is a unique sort of a take on it. Um, There's over nine million being spent by the council on the redevelopment of O'Connell Street. And a few weeks ago, the council uh, outlined their blueprint for this development. Um, It did meet with quite an amount of criticism. And I would say that there were a lot of people who might have been underwhelmed at uh, what the council proposals were. There was a very significant um, few straws in the wind that were saying, well, you know, 
pedestrianization was the way to go, that what should happen is that um, the O'Connell Street being the main thoroughfare of the city, that that should be transformed into something spectacular, into something that would sort of stand for Limerick, that should be able to take a, a photograph, know immediately that this was that this was Limerick and that it would contribute something a little bit different, um, something that maybe might serve as a blueprint for other um, inner city developments. Um, so the 10 points that uh, Rian had, had outlined in his pay, place, well, the first one, unsurprisingly, was pedestrianization. Um, you know, he, his, his view on it is that what the council have done is they've gone sort of halfway towards pedestrianization. They're removing um, traffic parking spaces from O'Connell Street. Um, but at the same time, it's not a total ban on traffic. So he reckon what's happened is that it's the worst of both worlds. One of the things that he, he, he championed in a previous article here was that to cover the spaces in the, the city centre. In other words, you know, that you would have something like the milk market. One of the things that would have made the milk market so popular and such a such a huge draw in the city and known throughout the city and maybe throughout the country um, is the fact that it's covered and that this is a marketplace where people can go along and, you know, relax you know, do a bit of retail therapy, sit down, have a cup of coffee, listen to the music, what have you. And that something similar should have should have been attempted in O'Connell Street. Well, I think in terms of the pedestrianisation, a lot of the models it's based on would be in Europe. Correct. Mainland Europe. And we have to realise the climate is very different. Exactly. Like if you go to Spain, you'll have massive plazas for yep. people where people will gather, but mm -hmm. the weather is nice. So I think these covered spaces might be Ireland's way of combating that. Yes. Yeah. And and I mean, you can see that there's some move towards that, let's say, maybe in your own city of Waterford, where there's been fairly successful um, in the regeneration. Area. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at some of the towns and cities around the, around the country and you can see that there's fairly innovative and some good thinking. You know, West, Westport in Mayo is another town that's done it. We can see it in, in Kilkenny that there's been a fairly significant um, regeneration element there as well. So um, I think what Rean was doing here was sort of saying, well, you know, Limerick, it should have been taken an extra an extra step that it should have been something a little bit more innovative and that it's something that should have maybe led the way for, you know, corporate involvement and retail involvement and all this sort of thing. And it, instead, you know, it's a bit of a hmm, ho-hum type in, of a, Another type one that stands out to me as well is uh, greening the city. And I think uh, Rian sent in a, a photo yeah, these, uh, these vertical gardens, yeah. you know, where you would be using... I think I he used Brown Thomas as the example. That's right, yeah, yeah. that's right. And, and, you know, it does look fairly spectacular and futuristic. Now, it's something that could be there. Maybe it could be a gimmick, maybe not. But, you know, where you had the incoming mayor there talking a few weeks ago about having a, a, a fountain. big fountain in the middle of it. Well, you know, that came in for its share of, of slagging. But nonetheless, it showed a man that was, you know, not afraid to... to, to 
promote something new to put it out there. You know, some of the other things that Rene's talking about is clean technology, you know, using, um, you know, footsteps and everything like that to track where people were and all that sort of thing. The use of playgrounds in, in the city centre, you know. Uh, I think bike lanes is a big issue among a lot of the people putting in their points on this yeah. as well. Urban sports. Yeah. You know, where you might have people there, maybe, you know, street volleyball or something like that. Um, street art. And basically, you know, putting it, in, putting it out as a place where people can relax and have a bit of fun. At least I think what this might be doing is just promoting a little bit of debate. And we can see that there's a few of the local councillors as well are appealing for people to actually come along, look at these plans and make their submission because really there's no point if you're going to be there in four or five years time and you're looking at some sort of a half (laughs) 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 half hearted -hearted thing yeah Yeah, you you know there's no point in going along and trying to complain then now is the time in fairness to the council they've put it out there it's up to people now to come along give their feedback and if they feel that this is too safe and this this isn't really the way to go say it don't be just coming along in a few years time and you know giving out about it then and i think uh, one of the councillors that was speaking out about this was elisa o'donovan and she was on a podcast with me recently and noted the shannon limerick transport strategy will have to work with this so maybe the timing isn't right for yeah. both of them you know yeah and and you know on that it wouldn't be my brief to be actually going along and given political endorsements or anything like that but you know in her short time in the in the council she's been one of the one of the really impressive performers yeah, very she seems to be somebody yeah and somebody with different ideas and a new view of the city so you it's know very transparent and yeah well done her i hope she yeah. i hope she keeps it up so uh, you can keep up to date with all of erin o'carlar's uh pieces on their instagram facebook and twitter by following at era harlar that's e-i-r-e-t-h-a-r-l-e-a-r jerry thanks very much for joining us you're very welcome and have a good week i'll do my best i'm now joined in studio by host of the limerick post show megan scully megan how are you this week? I'm very good. I'm having a good week. It's flying by and it's electric picnic weekend. So I am really happy. Because Your I'm very going. first electric picnic. Yes, I've had a few thrills and spills over the last few years and I've had to sell tickets and everything. So uh, finally it's happening. So I'm really excited. I got my tent, got my chairs, got my tickets, got my outfits, like everything. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm like a seasoned camper and festival goer at this stage. So it should be hopefully smooth sailing bar the 90% precipitation. <laughs> That's on the Friday, isn't That's it? That's on right? the Friday, which we'll just have to deal with that when it happens. So who are you looking forward to most seeing this weekend? Well, I was looking forward to seeing Florence the Machine, but as you know, I work in Dublin on Sunday nights. So um, it turns out Florence is playing Sunday night. Lovely. And is there anywhere else standing out then on the Saturday? Uh, I haven't had a proper chance to look up, but I will go see Hosier. I want to see Dermot Kennedy across all the weekend. There's um, a few DJs I want to go get catch up on. Um, there's loads of great acts, but um, as well, when Young are playing Sunday evening, which I won't be around for, which is kind of devastating. So I really want to see them. So uh, I feel like the acts that I mainly wanted to see are all on Sunday evening. I'm like, oh, but sure, look, it'll be good enough to be there. And I'm going to try. There is some brilliant acts throughout the rest of the couple of days as well. So you're going to have a good time. Like. Yeah, like the strokes, I think, will be phenomenal. Like that'll be good crack. Um, and I think I want to try experience more the actual 
stuff outside of music as well because obviously music is the main part but I want to see like you know there's like yoga places and there's like food stalls and uh, my mum has already recommended a food truck to me so there's definitely a lot of things I want to try check out and there's a, a couple of fitness programs up there as well I there think. is yeah. my gym go gym are <laughs> going to be there and I said to my friend I was like will we pack our gym gear and she was like are you mad gym, gym <laughs> session at electric picnic and I was like most Megan Scully thing I've ever heard I might just pack an old pair of shorts and a top just in case <laughs> in case I get some mad whim so uh, it's been a big week in Limerick this week. We've had Sinead Flanagan mm-hmm. named Rose of Tralee. Yes, the 60th International Festival took place. It was across Monday and Tuesday. And on Tuesday, our Sinead took to the stage and she was actually evens with the bookies to win. And uh, she went on and she did it. She won. And she had the most fabulous green dress on. I have to say it was really representative of Limerick. And uh, she um, it's her birthday today as well so it's a double celebration um so her homecoming is on tonight in the woodlands so we're going to head out there and uh, i'm actually emceeing the event so that should be exciting and uh, yeah we're going to give her a big limerick welcome like what a summer it's been for limerick with greg winning love island um and now sinead winning the rose tree like it's really cool for the for the city and county brilliant and i'm sure people can see that on this week's Limerick Post show. Yes, if you head to limerickpost.e forward slash show, we, we reshare the interview with um, Sinead when she was preparing for the Rose Tralee and uh, we'll have more footage tonight and tomorrow um, of Sinead as the Rose Tralee. It's really cool. It's just so exciting. I think it's been a really good uplift for the city. I think the city at the moment really needs um, a lift and, and to see young people, um, I suppose, flying that flag for us is kind of something that other young people certainly need um, at a pretty dark time. So yeah, look, I think fair deuce to her. She's an incredible woman and I can't wait to welcome her home. Brilliant. And then uh, we were in Mother Max during the week. Yes. And he might not be from Limerick, but we met with Ivan Nicholas. Yes, he's a singer-songwriter who actually studied in UL. So he spent four years of his life here and he seemed to have a great time. And uh, he performed two songs for us and he's just really busy now writing an album and stuff. And uh, he's got ties to Kerry as well, um, even though he's a Dublin man. Um, but you can check out that interview in full and listen to the performances as well on limerpost.e forward slash show. Um, I think uh, we'll be having him back down here for a gig sometime soon. Nice yeah, he's pretty sound and the venue as well was class. Thanks to Mother Max for opening their doors before four hours to let us in that room you interviewed him was beautiful the snug yeah I think that's yeah. new enough as well um, definitely want to go there for um, you know a hang out friend sometime because it was just really kind of cosy and dark and I think when it gets into winter time it'll be really nice down there yeah uh, so the Limerick Post show can be found every Friday with snippets going up throughout the week. Yes, the main show is on Friday, which is everything, kind of the whole show. And then during the weekend, there's always videos and content going up. And actually, there's something interesting up on our social media from today. Um, back in my first, one of my first weeks back in May, um, I spoke to Daniel Riley of the Coronas and we asked him, back then if Dublin could do the five in a row um, so was that live at the Docklands it was most yeah. certainly was so we shared that again and uh, it's an interesting one to, to see your opinion and we have a bit of a debate about it so that's across all the social media channels today brilliant Megan thanks very much for joining us and enjoy your electric picnic and stay dry I, I don't know about staying dry I just hope <laughs> I have a voice when I come back best of luck thanks I'm now joined in studio by Sporting Limerick journalist John Keogh. John, how are we getting on today? all good Keogh now all good uh, a busy weekend just gone with the junior soccer GA and football. Yeah, we're really hitting in now. The GA's kind of intercounty is over, Munster on the way back and we've in the midst of the club championships as well in GA, so you know, it's all all it's all wheels to the pump, yeah. that's not right. No, that that doesn't sound that right. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> all hands to the pump. But um we we have the semi finalists now for the senior football championship. Yeah, the final round of the Limerick Senior Football Championship um took place over the weekend. Uh, Adair were already through to the semi-final having finished top of group one and couldn't be got we'll get on to them in a second but the big game of the weekend was 
the decider in Group 2 with Newcastle West would have been strong favourites for the game against Ula they were both unbeaten up to that point four wins from four um, cracking game by all accounts I wasn't out of it but cracking game and Josh Ryan was the, was the hero for do, or for Ula he put in a massive performance serious footballer anyone in Limerick football circles will know that he's a serious hurler as well but yeah he, he scored winning free deep into injury time that sees them through to their semi-finals they're only a few years up from intermediate so it's huge progress from them in the last couple of years Big blow for Newcastle West, who now have to settle for quarter-final spot. They'll play Ballysteen. The other one is Father Casey's and St. Kieran's. And Adair, as I mentioned, they, they finished top of their group. That was known before Saturday's games. Um, they had a comfortable win over Ballylanders. So Adair are, are in the hunt for three in a row. So talking to Harry Gleeson, their manager after that game. and They're not getting carried away with anything. They're, they're just, look, each game is, is what it is, but... They could they afforded to like not rest a couple. They were, they were missing a couple of players for the Ballylanders game. It wasn't as if Ballylanders was, was was an easy game. Like these were two teams that met in the All Ireland, the All Ireland, the club final, the senior <laughs> final last year. We talk about the All Ireland in a while. We talk about that in a while. All Ireland fever. Um, so you know, but, but it, it really was a very professional performance by Adair that saw them through and look very strong favourites for to win their third. And uh, popping back to Newcastle West there. Uh, into a quarter final, but we've seen the hurling that sometimes not playing the quarter final can. Yeah, well, that, well that's at inter county yeah. level, Keen. Club level, you want to and make still it. Still, at club level, you want all the games you can get as well, you know. You can, but they, they would have been counting on getting to a semi final yeah. automatically. Look, Ballystein will be a tough test task for them. They should come out on top of If Newcastle West play well, look, they're, they're an outstanding team to watch. They're a very difficult team to play against. Some cracking players in Jamie Lee and, and Ian Carver. Jamie Lee was missing for Newcastle West didn't start again proved to be a big loss one of their big scoring threats you know it, it may do them a bit of good that okay they, they'd won all their games comfortably up to that point pretty much maybe a little bit of a landing for them regroup yeah. for the Ballysteen game they're um, fixed now for a few weeks time so you just have to wait and see exactly yeah. and then uh, over to the hurling this weekend yeah this, this weekend sees the final round of the Limerick Senior Hurling Championship group stages as well um, Patrick Swell Albar a miracle are, are, are assured of their place in the semi-finals going to be joined by either Kilmalloch Doon or Napierchik and looks probably at this stage Napierchik and Doon playing off is the big game really mm-hmm. whoever wins that will probably Kilmalloch are going to win Against South Liberty's judging on everything else that's happened this year, but Napierchik doing is the big game to see old Giant Patrick's well in um, in this year's semi-finals automatically, and then you'll have one of or more than likely Dune and Kilmalik in the quarterfinals against the two teams that will come up from Group Two for the quarterfinals. That looks like Monlin are going to win that at the, at the moment, and if Monlin do win their game at the weekend that mean they go up to group one next year so be huge progress for them bit of a shame for South Liberties it's, it's been a very tough year since they've come up uh, they finished their campaign as I already mentioned against Kilmallock um, Patrick's well in Adair is the other game you know that, that under day Adair can beat anyone you know but Patrick's well will, will be looking to get back from pretty pretty poor performance and, and we against still have the injury with Aaron Galan we still have Aaron well. Galan yeah. don't know any time frame wouldn't surprise me Known Aaron Clan a little bit and seen him playing so long, even with a fractured jaw, I could see him turn out on on Saturday. It would not surprise me. Whether he needs to or not is a different story. And Patrick's yeah, well made the love for the game sometimes, isn't it? It is. It is. So yeah, that, that's the scenario with the Senior Ireland Championship. And uh, 
There's two articles in the paper this week about this weekend's All Ireland final, Dublin and Kerry. There is. We'll start with Niall O'Carroll's very fascinating article from Niall. Focuses on Joe Brawley about bullshit of <laughs> science and NGA and Gaelic football in particular. And Niall goes into good detail talking about Jim Gavin's use of science and Kerry's use of science, like every other team's use of science. Yeah. But the argument is there that does science win you in all Ireland? No. Does it help? Absolutely. That's Niall's taking And Farrannan also. The physics will help. The physics, yeah, <laughs> physics help, all right. Everything helps win you in all Ireland. <laughs> But Pa then goes into detail about the game itself, about where it will be won and lost, says kickouts are going to be crucial. They are in every game, but tips Dublin to to do the five in a row, which will please you greatly, I'm sure. Yeah, it will indeed, but uh, I'd much rather be playing Tyrone than this Kerry team. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like From, from day one to the start of the year, there, there was one team that could cause Dublin problems. That was everyone's opinion. That was Kerry. You know, yeah. and They lost the league final to Mayo, and everyone thought Mayo, maybe this, maybe that. Dublin took care of Mayo in 10 minutes in the All-Ireland semi-final 10 second half minutes so yeah I, from my own view on it look, I just can't see anyone past Dublin they're just yeah, too it's, I think it's just more than an All-Ireland final for a Kerry you know, it's stopping Dublin stopping five in a row that's exactly what it's about stopping for, a team from doing what look, they couldn't do you know yeah but look you're, you're going back 40 years there. <laughs> I, I think for this Kerry team Going back it's, 40 years, but there's still a video no, no, I watch I on YouTube yeah. every week. <laughs> that, that's, that's your own problem, right? That's, <laughs> we won't bore view, listeners to, uh, on that. But no, for, for this Kerry team, like it's all about Sunday. It's, all, it's nothing yeah. to do with what Dublin do. They're focused, and anyone in Ireland fine. It's not about that's what true. the opposition yeah. are doing. Yeah. It's about what they can do. Can they do enough to stop Dublin? Do they have the potential to stop Dublin? 100% they do. Kerry have threats everywhere. You look mm. at the performances of Sean O'Shea this year. I mean, if if Dublin weren't around, if Conor Callaghan and you know the likes of Paul Mannion, Kieran Kilkenny, who's had a quiet year, if they weren't around, like Sean O'Shea is a shoe in for footballer of the year, but more than likely Conor Callaghan is that son up if Dublin win. But you know, and then you have David Clifford, who has the potential to be a player of a generation, and is looking already at what twenty years of age to be yeah, heading down such that a road. Young team, isn't it? They, yeah. Kerry are young, but they, they seem to have. Okay, they weren't at their best in the semi final. There's no point saying they were. Yeah. You know, against Tyrone, but. Tyrone are a difficult team to Tyrone play. Tyrone are a very difficult team to beat. You. They are a frustrating team. Even when they try to play a bit of yeah. football, they're still frustrating defensively. But, you know, can Kerry cause Dublin plenty of problems? Absolutely. Just like Mayo can cause Dublin plenty of problems. Do Dublin have enough off the bench and in their forward line and defensively? More than enough. Mm. It will take Kerry to be at their very, very, very much best and Dublin to have a slight off day. Has that happened with Dublin in four years? Not yet, it hasn't. Is it going to happen Sunday? I don't think so. Hopefully, we get a good game at least. That yeah. that would be the big, it'd be a big thing for you know, the sport for for the sport of Gaelic football because a lot of people have been talking positives from Gaelic football this year. Thought the Super Eights put put to bed any positives of of any nature of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we were talking about negative punditry last week. Fine, focus on positives. I'm all for that. It's not a great watch football at the moment. There's no point saying it is a good game of hurling. Still beats it. Yeah, you're not going to agree with me, fine. <laughs> but, you know, the, I, I think certain things have worked in football. That yeah. The mark rule has definitely worked. I mean... Well, at least they're trying new things. Yeah, but I mean, the, I think there's more kicking in the game. I'm not sure of the stats on that, but I think if you look back at it from the games I've seen, I've seen more kicking in the ball, yeah. which is what people want to see. No one wants to see a basketball game up in Croke Park, basically. <laughs> I'm sure people do. Yeah, not yeah. In, the, in the midst of a Gaelic football. Yeah. Game, but as you say, hopefully a good game for for the neutrals, which of of which you are not. 
And then uh, we, I tried to be. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, we'll pop over and look at the Junior League soccer. So Yeah, big game Thursday night um, between Pike and Fairview. Fairview suffered a very surprising defeat to, to Balenenti at home last week. They made up for it the weekend, got back to winning ways. It was a shock defeat to Bella. Um, but like Fairview and Pike are the bitterest of rivals over a long, long history in Limerick Junior soccer. A fair green Thursday night again. Pike have been going well. Uh, one other games, bar one, which they drew against Jordan second time out. You know, Pike, Regional, Bella, Fairview there, Janesborough, they're the team so far that have impressed. But Fairview, Pike always, always will get a decent crowd. We'll always pull a decent crowd and we'll be there to have a look at it anyway. It's early days in the league, but uh, it seems to be fairly exciting so far there's been some good games yeah, yeah. okay it started off with the, the big shock the Pike beating Janesborough 6-1 um, the Bella I was at the Bella Fairview game as I said last week and along with our soccer correspondent soccer, soccer, and sporting Limerick Adrian Finnan and you know Bella were much behind going into the game Fairview recruited well in, in the off season as we've mentioned Bella lost a few players they've signed Connor Ellis as well which we, we, we have talked yeah. about he wasn't eligible for that game he's eligible now so that's a huge boost for them yeah it, it, from my viewpoint it has been exciting so far but it's going to be five or six teams and the the LDMC and LDL, they, they tried to bring this thing at the start of the season of splitting the teams after the first round of games or after six or seven splitting the league in half. They've now revoked that. It's gone back to the traditional teams where everyone will play each other twice. And majority of managers that we spoke to and, and club officials spoke to on Sporting Limerick in the lead up to the season were against the decision to split the league in two. It said it was going to lead to more walkovers, yeah. more, more one-sided games, which was a fair enough argument. You couldn't really argue with that. To be fair to the LDMC, they've, they've rolled back and then said, look, okay, we were trying something, didn't work out. So they'd have to be credited for that. For trying something in the first place, okay, it, it may not have been that. And then admitting that you're... Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the biggest talking point, and I don't know if we talked about this last week, was like James Bros, Shane Clark leaving the club to join Ashling Anacotti. That's a huge coup for Ashling Anacotti. Big, big loss for Borough and with Shane's, Shane's scored 40 odd goals and invariably scores 40 odd goals every season. His loss is going to be incalculable to, to, to Janesborough. As we said, like there's there's like Tommy Holland has joined Janesborough from Limerick FC. You know, there's a lot of Limerick FC players going back to junior soccer. Um, that's a whole other issue that we've, we've spoken about. There's going to be a lot more quality. There, in the there is going to be a lot more quality. It's not good for senior soccer yeah. in Limerick. It is what it is, though. Um, be exciting to see Conor Ellis when, when he does get to start for Bella, probably this weekend. Yeah. Um, that will be interesting, uh, just to see his levels, because he, he was ripping it up in the first division. The it's a completely different game. Completely different yeah. game. The standard isn't isn't as good as the first division. Yeah. There's a huge leap, to be fair. Now, and you see some players come down to that and are exceptional at it. Some players just come back into the middle of the pack. Um, it'll be interesting to see over the next over the weeks and coming months. You have another, I think, is it this week or next week? The Thursday, the Tuesday and Thursday games, and it'll all be Sunday and Saturday evening games, more than likely from there. But yeah, it's been a very positive start, very interesting start so far. And then uh, briefly to wrap up, we'll look at Limerick FC or out of the cup. Out of the cup, um, fans that were keeping up to date that weren't in Sligo last week. Would have been after ten minutes in Dreamland, two <laughs> Carlos Sullivan goals, but Limerick doing it up. But it was yeah, a start that it was they a, wanted it was, and needed. It's a dream yeah, start, you yeah. know. But 
it, it, it went very, very much downhill from there. The three players sent off, um, lost 6 2. These players are going to be gone for the foreseeable, probably then. Probably straight reds or? All straight reds, I think. Two, two definitely straight reds. Yeah. And one player sent off for arguing with a steward over an incident with a ball by. Um, the season has to end. But there's not many games left now. No, there's only a few games. I just need to finish out the season. It's Galway this weekend. Um, Galway had a huge win. Great win in the cup last week, beating St. Pat's, which has seen their manager and leave. This is a Galway team, team that uh, were relegated two seasons ago and were in a similar situation to Limerick financially. Mm-hmm. And now they're... Below Limerick. Below Limerick. Better financially. But... Players have left Limerick yeah. to go to Galway. Like. I mean, players have left Limerick to go to worse situations tells its own story yeah I think I think finances is the issue at the end of the day there's there's so many issues finance is the main issue but there's there's a lot but would you reckon they could take Galway now this weekend or their next game I don't know no I just yeah there's no point in in me saying that yes they're they're going to be down players due to suspension they're going to be down players due to injury it's just the season needs to end that doesn't I'll be honest does it matter if they win or lose Galway no it, it doesn't really, but you'd like to see them end on a You'd, you'd like to see them win. Nose, you'd, you know? like, you'd like to see them win every game, Ken, yeah. but the season needs to end in a serious conversation. But one thing for sure is they're not going to go out to try lose a match. No, God, no, no, no. Yeah, not, that's exactly. not what I'm saying. No, no, 100%. They're going to go out to win. The, 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's not where I was going with it at all. It doesn't matter. It matters to the players. It matters to the club. It matters to Tommy Barrett. That's not what I'm saying. It clearly doesn't matter to the people in Limerick yeah. when there's 200 people turning up for yeah. home games. You know, whether that's, as we've said many times, whether that's in protest at the club and the way the club has been run over the number of years, I, I think a lot of it is. I think I do hopefully think maybe it's an optimi- optimistic thing that there's an appetite for Limerick's, for so- senior soccer in Limerick. At the moment, it doesn't look like there is, but I think a serious conversation needs to be had. Serious people need to come together and for the future of Limerick FC. Yeah. Well, there was a couple of times there where we were getting close to 2,000 that matches. Absolutely. Last, season, Last you know? season in the in the Premier Division, the early stages of Premier yeah. Division, Limerick were so people top half team, like you know. Seeing a senior I, I, I think team, so. You know? I, I, look look Limerick 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 is a sporting city, there's no question, yeah. you know. But invariably we'll follow winning teams. And I'm not being harsh and saying it, the proof is in the pudding, like you know, so if if Limerick FC were going well, the fans would go. Yeah. If the hurlers are going well the fans will go. If the footballers were going, the fans would invariably go. It's the same with Munster. If Munster go on an unbeaten run at the start of next season and go on to the Heineken Cup, you see the travelling support. Okay, it's down on, on previous years. But if Munster go off in this run, the crowd will get behind him. It's yeah. just, that's just the way it is in sport. Like, so I, I, I believe there's an appetite. I mean, I was go, went to the markets field after Limerick, like having lost 20 games four, four years ago, Limerick lost their first 20 games. And the great escape and the last of Finn Harps in the playoff. I mean, I think it was something like three and a half thousand officially that were at that playoff game. Sean Kelly's goal, wonder goal. But there was more than that there. We all know that. Anyone that was there will, will know <laughs> that. So, you know, I, I think there is an appetite. But it, look, we've talked about it all season. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about how remarkably well they were doing up until the, the, the mid-season break. And then... The wages thing happened again. The wages weren't paid again. Players started to players leave because yeah. they were they were professional players. They could leave. They weren't being paid. So I mean, you couldn't argue the fact that they were leaving. You know, one of which is coming against Limerick at this weekend. And Killian Bruder, who was out, had an outstanding first half of the season at centre half, part of a rock solid defence. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Robbie Williams, we've mentioned several times now, standing season, he's manager of Pike. He's signing for Pike when the season finishes. He's another gone gone from Limerick FC. So you, you effectively, I see Limerick starting again. It's happened several times in the last God knows how many years, but that's where it is, whether it's in the current guys under the current ownership, I don't know. That's what I mean when we see those conversations have to happen. You know, yeah. of, of the stakeholders, of, of people who care about soccer in this city. So that's where we are. I yeah. mean, the season now, just that's what, I'm, that's what I mean when I say the season has to finish. Okay, and we'll just leave it there and we'll see how they get on against Galway, I suppose. Hopefully but, uh, I With your mention of Munster there, there's a new coach. Yeah, Stephen Larkin was introduced, uh, met the media this week in, in Munster's High Performance Centre out in out in UL. He's come in as senior coach. Uh, as we all remember, at the back end of last season, it was announced that Felix Jones... And Jerry Flannery weren't taking up the offers of new contracts, so Munster went out. And and they aimed high to get get new coaches in. Um, Stephen Larkham, a seriously experienced coach with the Brumbies in Super Rugby and, of course, with Australia for a long time as well. And he's been involved in Rugby Australia for the last number of seasons as well. Um, brilliant player in his day, World Cup winning out half with Australia 20 years ago. Um, just though I wasn't out there myself but saw the interviews and everything's in very serious knowledgeable rugby guy I still believe a huge coup for Munster hopefully um, his remit is attack but as I said he's senior coach he'll be involved in everything but his main remit is the attack the attacking side of it, which not not been disparaging towards the previous coach, coach who was in charge of that Felix Jones just Munster were lacking just that, that little bit of an edge and I think an attacking edge in a lot in, uh, as the season wore on in the last there were some moments, moments of brilliance but consistency yeah there were, there were individual maybe, moments of brilliance yeah. rather than a collective yeah. thing maybe and Stephen Larkham's already identified maybe a couple of areas in that in, in his interview but yeah you, you've him Graham Rountree's coming after the World Cup who's a British and Irish Lions forwards coach former England forwards coach um, very highly regarded forwards coach he's with Georgia in the World Cup helping them he'll be available then a lot of positivity around the place at the moment with Munster of course you've, you've a lot of players away at the World Cup or with Ireland at the moment before the World Cup um, but there's a lot of young talent um, within the Munster setup at the moment within the academy and players graduating to the academy there's 45 players training even without the Irish players there at the moment so th- there is a lot of talent there coming through we've mentioned before in this with Craig Casey the likes, all the lads that were with the Irish under 20s Grand Slam winning winning team they're going to get a chance you'd imagine the early stage of the pro um, 14 which starts on the 28th of September you know we're a month away from that Munster two pre-season games against London Irish and Connacht in the lead up to that the home game against Thomond Park against the Dragons um so yeah, just just Johan van Graan was speaking as well at at as you will on on Saturday, just talking about Stephen Larkham and different things. So yeah, look, you you have to start the new season of positive Munster. In my eyes, Munster aren't that far away. Okay, they're Leinster and Saracens and at European level are at a different level. And I think Munster are right on the next level with extra. We've been saying it all along that they're they're close to it. It just needs they're very close. There's just yeah. that little bit. I mean, Joy Carberry's injury came at the wrong time last yeah. year. You know, I think one of the best performances for a long, long time I've seen from any Munster team away from home came in the pool game against Gloucester. I mean, it was a superb performance. Played unbelievably good rugby. It just wasn't consistent enough. They were blessed to get the. Uh, 
a Pro 14 semi-final where Leinster were very comfortable in that game. It took a JJ Hanner and kick from halfway to beat Treviso at home. So we'd With be hoping... With the greatest respect to Bennett and Treviso. Yeah. You, they, they, they should have been out of sight, you know. So that's where Munster finished their season. A lot of negativity the way the season finished. Hopefully there's a bit of positivity brought in now with the new coaches. We'd be hoping they pushed them on that big exactly. Yeah. So uh, for all your sports news, you can visit limerickpost.e or sportinglimerick.com or follow the hashtag sportlk and keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels. John, thanks very much for joining us. More than welcome, Ian. Have a good week. You too. I'm now joined in studio by our arts editor, Rose Rush. Rose, how are you today? Uh, relieved the paper is out, Cian. Brilliant. Good to talk to yeah, you in so calm and peace. We okay. can relax now, Rose. And um, you had There's a nice nothing, time during the week, I believe. Cian, you are not relaxing. There is nothing relaxing <laughs> about your podcast. Thanks very much. Yeah, listener. I, very stressful. Relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Rose, you were at the launch of a dance limerick show during the week. How did that go? I snuck away from work, guys, early. Uh, got As usual. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was desperate to see this because I'd been to see Bianca Page Smith, a New York choreographer and dancer, been to see her um, Ireland premiere of Two Can Do in the Hope Museum the previous Saturday to blow my socks off. Uh, a videographer who was there that day interviewed Seamus Wynne as an Olympic leader and myself to camera on first impressions afterwards. Shane was present also at another contemporary dance night on Monday, this Monday past, between 6pm and 8pm. Six astonishingly gifted graduate dancers who had been in an incubation period of 10 weeks out in the Irish World Academy in a CPD unit led by Dan Slimerick, premiered three new works which were conceived with the dancers by, uh, I'd love to name them to you, but there's only one name I can pronounce. She's Rosie Mullen. She's a Belfast woman. She's in and she's the only Irish girl. There's a Brazilian woman who might like particularly Juliana Tarmuto. All the dancers. So this is an international programme? It's an international programme. It's uh, The dancers are selected from around the world by open call and addition. Thoroughly honest process that will hold up to any inspection. Six were selected by the overarching curator, Marguerite Donlan. I interviewed Marguerite a couple of weeks back for our page. So Monday was our only chance thus far to see this show in, in Limerick. And I was determined to get there by Christ. Am I glad I made it? Two hours broken into three different um, premieres. The first was called Lost in Translation. That was by Marguerite herself. The second was The Princess Saves Herself in this one by Francesco Vecchioni and Six Hidden Variations by Emmanuel Suave. Please forgive my irregular pronunciation here. And uh, I'm still blown out about it. I'm still thinking about it. The vigour, the intensity, the beauty, the ferocity, the animation, the acting and verbal skills these six women brought to these new works. And Imar Casey of Dan Slimerick was good enough to send on a video clip today, an amalgam of the three. Perhaps, Keen, you'd like to see again to the music to give the reader an idea of the, the sheer tensile strength and ability of what was visually open to us as well. And I think you're going to put it up online, aren't you? Yep. And that video will be available online as well at limerickpost.ie. Great. So uh, from there, Rose, uh, you were from over... From there, can I take you to the... 
You can take me wherever. All this is a prelude to giving you their tour dates. Okay, so everybody has to get in their car and drive to Longford for the Backstage Theatre tonight, Wednesday, August 28th. Then on to Cork for Friday the 30th. Firkin Crane is the venue. And the tour finalises in Project Arts Centre Dublin on Saturday the 31st. And I beseech with all my heart to Jenny Trainer of Down Slimerick to get the resources together to hopefully platform this show again in Limerick. People have to see it. Brilliant. And uh, from there, Rose, uh, with the visual arts, you were at an... Yes. Lavery and Osborne exhibition. So Hugh Lavery and Walter Frederick Osborne. Some aspects of their lives were the proverbial choke and cheese and the curator for this show. And it was two years in the making with Naomi O'Nolan. She's head of collections uh, and exhibitions at Hunt Museum. She sleuthed for two years uh, in public and private collections to unearth a total of 60 paintings. They're showcased in six different categories, such as travel, leisure, pets, children, stuff like that. Uh, Very beautifully showcased um, in the Hunt Museum. So I call my piece Parallel Lines to Lavery and Osborne. It's a combination of uh, speaking to Naomi. And she has to be congratulated on this really unique two-year journey that has brought an exhibition to Limerick. Um, that has people flying in from all over the world to see it and bustling down to the north and coming in from coaches from Wales. Yeah, she tells me that thus far it's their jackpot breaker thus far with respect to a paid for ticket. And as we know, the Hunt Museum platforms a great deal that is free to the public. Yeah. But in this instance, there's a reason for the cost. I mean, what it took for her to get a couple of paintings back from a private collection in Chicago alone, it can't go in print. Mm-hmm. So 10,000 people have seen it thus far. And it has another four weeks to run. Brilliant. Yeah, thank God. And, and the space down there as an exhibition space is lovely as well. It, yeah. It's nice and open. Plus, it's a seven-day venue. Plus, there are tours, 12 noon and 3 p.m. every day, other than Sunday, when that museum opens later. But a 3 p.m. Um, educated tour is available to us then. Now, how Naomi describes the difference between the two of them is Lavery absolutely fell in love with Morocco, whereas... Osborne saw the beauty of the mundane not, not to mislead the reader and suggest there's nothing mundane about Morocco I've seen plenty of it um, to my mind Lavery adored beauty adore beauty and if it finesse and movement and grace and light especially women and society beauties and beautiful children and beautiful interiors and beautiful exteriors. He absolutely was magnetised by beauty and he delivers it to us very, very well. Uh, Walter Frederick Osborne, on the other hand, really, his paintings could take the eye forever. He shows you humble Irish pick and turf and pick and seaweed and cleaning up their stables and sort of settling a shawl around their chin better and how the kids looked and dressed and how they held their pets or took care of farm animals. Lovely. And uh, you'd recommend people to go along and see this oh, series? Oh, there's yeah. 62 paintings and some have not seen the light of day in public for 130 years. Wow. So, so it's four more weeks that's on for yeah, and you in get, the Hunt Museum. You, you get so much art for your money. Yeah. It's great. Just give you a little bit on their background, can I? Go ahead, Rose. Yeah, because I didn't have room on the page to get it all in. <clears throat> Naomi now she's done plenty of research on them. So Hugh Lavery, fine-minded and high-minded as he sounds, and he did become society's darling. Born into a dirt-poor Catholic family in the north, 
His father was a publican. He was a bad publican. The pub failed. His dad took a boat to America to set up life over there, but the, you know, the luck of some people, the boat sank en route. God forgive me, okay? And... <laughs> Dark sense of humour, Rose. Yeah. We're going to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, we'll just, we'll finish it up. Yeah, okay. So, um, Rose, then we have uh, some news with the ICO and IWA with some free concerts. Yeah, 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 yeah. We look at the free concerts first. It's yeah. always nice to get something for free. Irish World Academy, Jennifer De Bruyne, is also one of the principals of Fidget Feet. And you gave a good plug to Big Old Wings last week. Um, they have three free concerts open to the public and to everybody else in the week. These take place on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Jennifer tells me that they... Um, they, they're divided along broad categories. One fifteen pm on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, the genres of concert do, 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 yeah. Tuesdays being for trad music. Wednesdays are for schools, communities and choirs. And we encourage our own academy students to support them. Thursday concerts around 5.30pm are mostly for classical music and contemporary dance. Every gig is free, as with the Thursday Sunset Series, and we welcome every member of the public to attend. So if you look up irishworldacademy.ie stroke events, it'll give you the programme and timetable. Brilliant. And then uh, the concert with the Irish Chamber Orchestra? Yeah, a little peek ahead to September the 13th. We had a good chat with Charlotte Eglinton, working for a score of years, I think, at this stage with the Irish Chamber Orchestra. A pleasure to deal with as a human being and as a very enthusiastic marketing officer for them. Uh, this is the first concert for the Irish Chamber Orchestra's autumnal season. St Mary's Cathedral is the venue on Friday, September 13. And oddly, morning is a common thread to the programme. Now, the conductor in this instance for all of the concert is a man by the name of Brett Dean. He's an Australian who became a very, very, very gifted viola player with the Berlin Philharmonic. They only take the cream of the cream, as Charlotte makes clear to me. Uh, he also liked to write music, and um, he has written two operas, which have been so well received. One is Bliss, inspired by the John Carey novel and Hamlet, and that stage at Lynburn, and apparently it caused a huge brouhaha. It was amazing. So she says they've chosen a, an older work of his, short stories. Again, he's a prime viola player. It's going to be amazing. And Brett has programmed the entire unit and he has picked um, Madari's Adagio from Symphony Number no. 10 and a work by Hinsmith. And according to Charlotte, um, this music is going to be, as a whole, it's going to be heady, intense, moving, atmospheric. So it's in the right form for St Mary's Cathedral and some of the pieces were actually written for morning so it's going to be it's going to be quite beautiful I brilliant think. and where is that on St Mary's, Mary's Cathedral, Cathedral in and September and book in this instance for Bach Office with uh, irishchamberorchestra.com September the 13th brilliant and uh, sticking on the music team Rose uh, you have a city and soul feature that will be coming up in the coming oh, weeks yes I do I do, yeah. I do and I you do. spoke to Boris Hunker from Music Generation Yes, indeed. Actually, Boris used to work with um, Irish World Academy. Uh, the reason for this interview is that he's the long-standing director of Music City Generation Limerick. Music Generation City Limerick? Music Generation Limerick City. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <Kate. laughs> Thanks. Thanks. But uh, how did you get on with the chat? 
Yeah, a great old chat. Oddly, um, it's a, the unit is called City and Soul, yeah. right? So the city is this exploration of institutions that I've done to unearth that which we don't know about them and then to shine a light on the faces whom we don't see or who's, you know, they're not in the paper a great yeah. deal. They're not camera loving X, Y, Z. Um, the soul element is uh, sort of a window into the this human being who's leading the institution. Boris is interesting. Uh, he uh, finally got it out of him and he didn't sort of come forward to tell me this. By the age of 14, he had achieved grade eight in uh, three instruments, cello being his principal. As he said, as soon as he got his exam, he hasn't touched a cello since. <laughs> but he plays bass a lot. And he, to this day, he um, tunes the, the bass as he would a cello, which is wrong, but I bet him Boris makes it sound so right. Yeah. Anyway, he, I was asking him how he came to Ireland, got into the music business. He tells me his mother was vi- a violinist, his father a bassoonist with the London Symphony Orchestra. His sister Catherine, whom we know again through Irish Chamber Orchestra, she's orchestra leader, plus their lead violinist, always technically beyond any proficiency, an amazing musician. She was always perceived, he said, as a child prodigy. We're very lucky to have her in Ireland. But there is a key into music in the films and his musical awakening as a very young boy. Keen, you have that story. Yeah, uh, Boris joined me on the We Are Limerick podcast about five months ago now, I think. And he mentioned to me that his father, like you said, was the bassoonist with the London Symphony Orchestra and actually played the bassoon on the soundtrack for Star Wars. So uh, he said... How many Star Wars? Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, London Symphony Orchestra done the soundtrack for nobody was sacked no for retrieving I'm, I'm not sure I'll have to look into that Rose but uh, Boris was saying that uh, his earliest conscious memory of music was his friends telling him the Star Wars was something cool in school you know the rest of us <laughs> settled for bad, bad black sheep <laughs> and uh, Rose all this week's arts news can be found on page 64 of the Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.e thank you very much for joining me and have a good day thank you Keen. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. For more news, sports, arts, entertainment and much, much more, you can visit limerickpost.ie or follow the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. I'd like to thank Head of News Jerry Collison, Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show, John Keogh from Sporting Limerick and Rose Rush, our arts editor, for joining us this week. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and we really are Keeping Limerick Posted. <laughs>